And now, let's all turn to our Old Testament scripture reading, which is going to come from Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. Genesis chapter 15, starting at verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And now let us turn to our scripture reading for this morning. That comes to us from James chapter 2, and we'll be reading verses 21 through 26. James chapter 2, starting with verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Thus says the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. These are the verses that are a follow-up from the famous scripture passage of James chapter 2, verse 17, which reads, Thus also faith by itself if it does not have works, is dead. And here we have that restated in our scripture passage again this morning, talking about faith and works, and that it's justified by works and not by faith only. This is how man is justified. And this is what we read. This, and these passages included, have historically speaking been very difficult to deal with and have been a constant stumbling block for the church since the very beginning. We do not believe that works save us, and yet there is a large temptation to look at works as necessary for our salvation. As Christians, we feel an inward need to do good works, but the church has historically fought with itself over how important these works are. Why do Christians have the need to have good works? And how necessary is it? On the one hand, good works are visible and easy to identify. We even have in Matthew chapter 7 this passage, By their works you shall know them. So, works are used as a way to identify fellow Christians, at the very least. However, some people go too far with this passage and proclaim that works 
or how we are saved. This conflicts with scripture passages such as Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 9 which reads, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, on the other hand, there are many who proclaim to be Christian, but don't show any evidence of this being true. James speaks a great deal to this. We believe in the grace of God and that works are not necessary for our salvation. Does this mean good works and deeds are fruitless? How indeed are we saved? We look to Jesus Christ's death on the cross, our Savior, and we are told to follow Him. And Christ did good works as well. And by the actions of Christ, we know Him to be the Son of God. And so we look at all these examples, and all throughout the church these examples have been shown, going, we're supposed to follow Christ. He did good works. We should do good works as well, which is true. And yet Christ also proclaimed the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, who claimed that they were very holy. They did good works. They prayed openly and loudly. They gave alms frequently. And all these things, and yet they had not true faith and could not recognize the Christ when he had come. So when considering all this, how are we to look at this? This is why it is good to look at the whole chapter in which those provocative words, faith without works is dead, are written. For these concluding verses of chapter 2 help to shed light on the whole thing. For indeed, faith without works is dead, as scripture tells us. But this should be understood as this. True faith in Christ will be dynamic, or having constant change, constant activity. This results in a life that is changing from wickedness to godliness. These changes are brought about by the Spirit of God after a man is converted. Holy Spirit works in us faith and also works in us that desire for good works. Now, improving this, James brings forward two examples, Abraham and Rahab. In the words of verse 24, man is justified by works and not by faith only. But before we consider this passage further, there are two words that must be defined. Each of these words, when misunderstood, can lead us to serious error. Firstly, what does it mean to be justified? To be justified is to be made just. And this is used as a legal term. In scripture, to be justified usually refers specifically to be declared righteous by God the judge. As to why I say usually, we shall see in just a little bit here. But this justification is described briefly in Catechism Question and Answer 60, which says, How are you righteous before God? Only by true faith in Jesus Christ. That is, although my conscience accuse me that I have grievously sinned against all the commandments of God and I have never kept any of them, am still prone always to all evil. Yet God, without any merit of mine, of mere grace, grants and imputes to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ, as if I had never committed nor had any sin, and had myself accomplished all the obedience which Christ has fulfilled for me. If only I accept such benefit with a believing heart. James uses this same term justified, but it cannot mean the same as what was described here in the Catechism. Now why is this? Why cannot it mean the same? Because it would contradict the words of Paul. Paul has declared many times that we are justified by faith, as shown in the earlier passage, 
that we looked at from Ephesians. Yet we have the words of James before us declaring, you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. So do we have a contradiction? By no means. What we have here is a different use of this term justified. What else can justified mean? If we look at some other verses, we see that the word justified is used differently in certain contexts. For example, Luke chapter 7, verse 29 says, And when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John. We know that Christ justified sinners, so how do tax collectors justify God? How can something like this take place? Here it is meant as a declaration. The tax collectors justify God in that they declare his righteousness. They declare him as just. They do not do so as having authority over God. But they state that which is true. God is just. God is righteous. You can see the same thing in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, which reads, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. Here is a wonderful verse that proves that Christ is God. For who else can be called God as manifested in the flesh? And here we also we see the word justified justified in the spirit. So how is this meant? Although Christ was despised and oppressed, he was also declared righteous. We read in Romans chapter 1, declared to be the Son of God, with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Declared to be righteous. Justification is then used in this other instance as being declarative. Declaring what specifically? True righteousness. Declaring as righteous and just. So now we can go back and look at James' words here as meaning that by our faith, being justified by works, it means that the authenticity of our faith is seen. Being Christian, our lives are changed with the desire to pursue God's will and to pursue righteousness. The Spirit of God is slowly causing us to hate and turn from our sin more and more. This is the process of our sanctification. It will never be complete in this life, but is being constantly worked in us. As such, we are in the words of the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer one, heartily willing and ready, henceforth, to live unto him. These signs of the Spirit's work in our lives show that our faith in Christ is real. There is no sense, however, in which we can say that our works justify us or make us righteous in the sight of God. In this sense, our works are powerless. But it does declare our righteousness. So now, looking at justified, we see it. Declaring one's righteousness. Declaring one to be just. Justified has always meant to declare. And it's always a declaration. But it's used sometimes as way it's used with God as one who has authority declaring justice or those who are simply declaring that this is so. This is true. This is righteous. So after looking at the word justified and after looking at justification, there's another word we must look at quickly and that is the word works. 
Now, why in the world do we need to define works? Unlike justified and justification, which has been often looked at and is very necessary, and when we look at it, we really want to know what it means, works seems to be deceptively easy. Well, works are what you do. So, how is it we should look at works, specifically good works? What does that mean? What sort of good works please God? For those are the works that are considered good, that which please God. What sort of good works does the Holy Spirit train us towards? Here we have the Catechism once again to help us define this. Question and answer 91 says this, What are goods at works? The answer being, Those only which proceed from true faith and are done according to the law of God unto his glory, and not such as rest in our own opinion or the commandments of men. So first we see that works, truly good works, proceed from true faith. Faith comes first. It is by faith we are justified. It is by faith that we receive the Spirit of God who works these good things in our hearts. And this is where we have our works from. Truly good works. So, this is why it needs to be defined. And the importance of defining what good works are are so important. We have it in our Heidelberg Catechism. This shows that while we look at justification and it's important to define that too, we should not look over good works either. We should concentrate that as well as just as important. So having considered what the meaning of both justification and works is, as mentioned by James, how then shall we take the examples that James gives us of Abraham and Rahab? Let us first look at the example of Abraham in verses 21 through 23. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son to be a sacrifice on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. So having looked at justification, having looked at works, James looks at this specific example. That's a very interesting one. It appears that James is deliberately choosing an example of Abraham's faithfulness which was unlawful under Old Testament law. Namely, the law that comes from Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 10 which says, There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire or one who practices witchcraft or soothsayer or one who interprets omens or or sorcerer. Passing through fire to sacrifice. And so, looking at this, it's a very interesting example specifically to show. To explain more, the law had not been given in Abraham's day. Nevertheless, Abraham's attempt to sacrifice his son would have still been considered a great sin except that God had commanded him to do it. This was an act of faith, because it was done in obedience to a direct command from God. But why did James choose this event as an example of Abraham's faith? There are many other examples. And in fact, a less dramatic example of Abraham's faith is shown in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8-10, through 10, which says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, 
He dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Surely this is just as adequate an example of Abraham's faith. It was good enough for the writer of the Hebrews to use as an example. So why didn't James choose this as an example of Abraham's faith? Now, when you look at this example, it could be that James is showing that good works don't often look good. Doing the command of God sometimes either looks foolish or even awful to those who are observant. Now this is why when we looked at the Heidelberg Catechism it says good works as defined by God not in the opinion of men. God knew that Abraham's preparations for sacrificing Isaac were an act of faith but for everyone else for anyone else who was to know what Abraham was doing the appearance would be that Abraham was going to do a very great evil. Yet Abraham did what was commanded of him even if it didn't make him look good in the eyes of other men. God was the only one who could understand Abraham's actions, as said in Genesis chapter 22, verse 12. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad, or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Now, James is not telling us the only way to live by faith is to deliberately scandalize others. But he's telling us that we must not be concerned with what others think. For this is why good works need to be defined. Because it's so deceptively easy. And when we do works, sometimes we consider them good works because we receive the praise of men. When works of obedience come out of a spirit-filled heart of faith, the reason cannot be that we want to look respectable to our fellow Christians, but we're doing what is right. It doesn't matter what others think. It doesn't matter if they think we are crazy. What matters is that God sees and is pleased and is glorified. What people think of us shouldn't matter at all. Already as we live our lives as Christians, many of our actions are considered awful, according to some. Oh, we are oppressors, or we believe in fairy tales and mythology, and by these made-up stories we have such strict rules and harm our children, and all the list goes on. These are not new accusations. They've been here since the beginning of the church, but they are worded differently and are consistent. It is also worth noting that James, and how he addresses Abraham, is very careful not to say that Abraham was justified because he did a good work in the matter of Isaac. I'll show this by looking at James chapter 2, verse 23, because it is actually a quotation of Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, which says, and he believed in the Lord, and he accounted to him for righteousness. This is why our Old Testament reading this morning came from Genesis 15, to show that first verse, and to show that James is quoting from there. This quotation has nothing to do with offering up Isaac. The previous verse in Genesis 15 says, Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven, and count the stars if you are able to number them. So shall your descendants be. As such, it was Abram's faith in God's covenant which saved him. And this is the important thing. It was not Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his son that saved him. It was his faith that did. 
This belief in God's covenant also allowed him to proceed with the preparations to sacrifice Isaac, knowing that God would keep his promise and provide a true sacrifice. As they walked up, Isaac asked, Well, I see all the preparations for a sacrifice, but what shall be sacrificed? Abraham said the Lord would provide. And indeed he did. So James' readers would have been mostly Jewish Christians. And since they are more familiar with the Old Testament than we are, they would know immediately that there was no connection between the sacrifice of Isaac and Abraham believing God. It is not because of his willingness to do this that he was saved. It was his faith. We, on the other hand, might be tempted to think it in a different sense and think that Abraham was counted as righteous because of his willingness to offer up his son. It wasn't that Abraham was just willing to offer up his son. He was willing to obey God. That's the important thing. Why was he willing to obey God? Because faith was worked in him. And this is why this is said again and again, and James uses this example. It is more about Abraham's faith in God's covenant than how it is shown specifically in this instance. Abraham knew that he wouldn't actually kill his son because he trusted in God's covenant. He told Isaac the Lord would provide, and he did. And then looking at James' other example, we see Rahab, the heroine of the Battle of Jericho, who hid the spies who came to look at the city. She hid them and lied to the pursuers and let them escape. James says in verse 25, Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. The word harlot doesn't mean much today, but to define it, a harlot was a prostitute. And she wasn't even Jewish. I am unsure what would upset the Jewish legalist more, the fact that she was a Gentile or she lived a sinful life. Despite this, she acted out of faith and actually became an ancestor to Jesus Christ. So James uses another interesting example. Because one of those great marks, living a sinful, mind, living a sinful life, automatically looked down upon. The fact that she wasn't Jewish, that she was a Gentile, another strike against her. But how was Rahab justified by her works? How did Rahab's works show her faith? Her work of faith was in hiding those spies sent by the Hebrews and then lying to those soldiers that were searching for them. So here we see James poking at another Jewish legalist, one of those Pharisees, even more. For not only was Rahab a Jew, not only was she not a Jew, not only did she live a life of sin, but she lied as well. So many bad things against her already. So even today, there are Christians that are uncomfortable about Rahab's lie and even condemn it, despite how James described it as an act of faith. And indeed, even though John Calvin is one of the great helpers of our church, he also condemned Rahab for telling this lie, even though there is not one bit of criticism for her actions, only praise. Legalism here is that everyone looks to the fact that she committed treason against the state, but kind of overlook it. She was responsible for the death of her entire nation, but instead people criticize her about the fact that she lied, not the fact that she led to the destruction of Jericho. 
One theologian puts it this way. What Rahab was, by the standards of Jericho, was a treasonous harlot. The Bible regards her as an obedient saint, and the legalists see her as a bad person that told a lie. James is not offering any comfort to those legalists. He's using examples that are very uncomfortable. By the inspiration of God, he uses a faithful liar as an example of how we are justified by works. James must have had a strong sense of irony in the use of these examples, for they were made to make us uncomfortable. Not just the legalists, but everyone. For we all have a temptation to think, well, it should be in, in just such a way. We always have a very precise view of how things should be done. This is not a bad thing. But it can lead to us being just as legalistic as the Pharisees. So when looking at these examples, we see the example of Abraham, commanded to sacrifice Isaac. That doesn't look good. Commanding Rahab, Rahab by faith who lies and saves those spies. I must admit here too that lying is still a sin. Revelations 21.8 says liars will burn in hell. The reason why she lied is to obey. She was lying because she had faith. She heard about the destruction, about how God was with the Jewish people, and believed. And so she lied to preserve life. And ultimately she obeyed God's will. This is why she's mentioned here. And while it is uncomfortable, let me also say that if we focus so much on the lie, do we not also forget another important thing? In military, you deceive your opponent and attack and kill them. Did Gideon lie when he tricked the soldiers about soldiers all around him? It was a form of deception, yes. But it was during wartime. And by these actions, he preserved the life of God's people. And then when we look at Abraham, we see that same thing. Not in the sense of lying, but in the sense that he obeyed what God told him to do, even though it looked really bad. And this is how we also get to see how the whole justification by works is not saying by works we are saved. Because the examples used are those deeply uncomfortable ones. Not the easy ones of, oh, he gave all his money away, or Abraham's faith in that he knew that when he followed the Lord, he would get to where he needed to go. No, James chose those ones that didn't sit well with those who are so legalistic. Because good works, if we were to look at it from a certain perspective, seem to be easy. And if we were to judge purely by good works, the Pharisees were very good. Did everything right? At least it seemed so. And yet, were they not also called the hypocrites? And when we look at James' examples and how he uses them, this is not to say that works save us, but works proclaim the Christian as righteous. If you're a Christian, you cannot help but to do good works. And that's why we have passages such as we have in Matthew that say, by the works you shall know them. A true Christian desires to do good works. 
and feels a desire to repent of the sins he commits in life. Knowing that he is imperfect. A lazy Christian, one who is Christian but does nothing, that is a dead faith. It's easy to say, I believe in God, and then doing nothing else. That doesn't show a Christian attitude. And when we are commanded to do good works, sometimes we're commanded, and what we do to the glory of God doesn't look good or looks bad. For example, another one, schismatics, those who want to separate the church. The peace of the church is sacred. What did Martin Luther do? Well, he tried to reform the church. And he prayed a lot because it was a great issue he wrestled with. He didn't want to destroy the church. He wanted to reform it. He wanted to change all the things that were wrong with its theology. To turn back to looking at Christ and what that meant and what the Bible means and how it should be read by all people. These were important. And yet he prayed and debated a great deal because he didn't want to separate from the church. It happened because the Catholics, the Roman Catholics, did not want anything to do with the changes that Luther had, nor did they want to listen to any of those condemnations. This was also a good work that didn't look good. Even other people who recognized the problems of the Catholic Church looked at the Roman Church and knew that there was issues, felt a bit uncomfortable about the idea of completely separating from them, until it was forced by God's providence. They could not stay or they would be killed. They could not keep the fellowship with them. So now, looking at all these examples before us, faith without works, can it be called faith at all? For even the demons believe and tremble. Faith shows itself in much more ways. We're all still spiritually children, constantly growing in the faith, constantly learning. And when we look at Scripture, even some of those passages that we've read time and time again, we always get a little something different from it. Different and the same. A reaffirming of that which we know. And we grow in this. Now when looking at Abraham and Rahab, it is also very important to note that it doesn't mean that we should do strange things to show our faith through works. When we see examples like this, it's not just, all right, find a way to lie but show faith as well. It's not saying that. What it does show us, however, is that keeping up holy appearances have nothing to do with genuine holiness. Doing a work that others consider good doesn't automatically make it good. A good work is what God tells us to do. A good work is following God's law. A good work is doing all these things with the mind of what God wants us to do, with the recognition of Jesus Christ our Lord. So we exercise our faith by works to the glory of God without looking over our shoulders to see whether anyone is watching and if they are, whether they approve or not. For indeed, we're not commanded to those who give in secret, God will reward openly. Those are one of those important things that we must consider. Not to feel a temptation to brag about all those things we have done. Indeed, to do our good works in such a way that no one may know it at all. But it is important that God knows. 
And that is the important thing. For the glory of God in all things. Following Christ as the example. Recognizing what works are, what justification is, and where our salvation comes from. And in doing so, we help promote true faith, the Christian faith, the true church, and so that we may fight these temptations, which even are in our own denomination, that good works are more important than what they are. But we should also fight the temptation that they are not less than what they are. It's complicated. It's always a balancing act. And that's why we must always go forth, whatever action we choose to do, in prayer and meditation. May God help each and every one of us to have our faith then justified by our works. And may we go forth without hesitation and in all things with prayer and supplication to God that we may all know that by the works of Jesus Christ we are saved and we have a job to do as Christians. To do good works, yes. And in all ways, to follow our Lord as an example and to follow the law of God. Amen.